feel that life is just giving you more than you can handle, please realize that you are not alone. Welcome to Abba Daddy House Girls Speak Out with your hosts, the founders of Abba Daddy House, Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We're here to listen and provide help for you and others. At last, you have a place to speak out and be heard. Now, here are your hosts, Annette and Myrna. Hi, thank you for joining us today. We this is a pre-record because the lady that we're going to, the young lady that we're going to interview today is on her way back to her mission field, and we have to we have to kind of like rope her in to get um, to get an interview out of her. So but busy lady, no lie. But first thing, we want to thank Grangeville Christian Church for allowing us to broadcast from their location. Right. So they're so good to us. That's right. So Marissa states that all children of God have a calling, but different leadings there. We were blessed to be at a debriefing um, session on Saturday night here at the church. And we got a whole bunch of questions about, about Marissa and for Marissa. Oh, goody. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you, um, I'm Myrna. I'm Annette. Hi, I'm Marissa. It's a pleasure to be here, ladies. Well, we love you. Oh, I love you guys too. It is very good to have you here. Very, very good. Yeah. Okay. We just hate to lose you when you go back on the mission field. Well, you know, duty calls. I know. God calls us all, and yours happen to be way out there. Huh? I do indeed. Yeah. So what's interesting is, is something that you said Saturday night, and I've pondered on it because I'm a ponderer, <laughs> and you said that something about all people, all God's children are called, but they have different God leads them differently. Mm-hmm. So kind of explain that because everybody says, well, my calling is whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I think in the, the conversation about callings, um, we actually have a real tendency to get misled in what that means. And so something I learned while I was away um, during my discipleship training school is that, yeah, we're, we all have the same calling as children of God, and that is to be loved by Him and to love Him in return. Um and yeah, our life on this earth and for eternity is as simple as that. Uh, there's really no greater calling than it because it's specifically what we were made for. Um, we were made first and foremost for relationship with our Father. And the first prerogative of that relationship is to be loved by Him. Um, as far as leadings go, obviously, while we are stepping into our calling and walking with Him in that, it's going to look differently for every individual because the Lord is such a complex being that if we're all going to accurately reflect him, naturally we're going to have to look different mm-hmm. um, because we're all made in his image. And so when we're talking about calling versus leading, our calling is something that we all have in common as children of God, but our leading is the different and specific ways that he's going to have us reach out to those around us. Um, and really be his hands and feet and reflect him properly and accurately to those um, who he loves just as much as he loves us. So where is God leading you? Well, currently I have accepted, um, or really I've been accepted to a position as a volunteer staff through YWAM Queenstown, that's Youth with a Mission, based in Queenstown, New Zealand. And uh, it's crazy to think I'm moving to New Zealand um, just because it's New Zealand. But also just thinking, you know, I'm a 20-year-old young woman and, you know, my whole life is ahead of me. And it seems like God is starting it out in the most crazy way ever, which can only make me wonder where we're going afterwards. Um, But for right now, One flashlight beam at a time. Yes, ma'am. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. So, yeah, right now I'm I'm going to New Zealand. I leave September 3rd. Um, You take me with you. 
You know, I could, but I don't know if they'll allow. Just like, pack me extra, in your suitcase. Well, you see, <laughs> I could do that, but I don't know if I have extra room. <laughs> well, I fold up pretty tight sometimes. <laughs> oh, well, if God wants me there, he'll bring me there. Yes, right. ma'am, he'll make it happen. Yeah. Okay, can you uh, explain to us on YWAM what Youth with Missions International is? Yes, so um, Youth with a Mission, or YWAM as we're called, um, I'm called a YWAMer because I'm a part of the organization, so is anybody else who's ever been a part of it, but it was founded in 1960 um, by Lauren and Darlene Cunningham. Uh, Lauren actually had a vision of young people coming up like waves onto all the different continents, and he asked the Lord, what is this supposed to mean? And God said, well, we're going to figure that out. Um, and what happened basically is that over time, they started sending out teams to all these different places. And before they knew it, they were starting to find um, places in, in all these countries to have bases to send and train and equip uh, the youth of America and every other country on the planet to spread the gospel and complete the Great Commission as we're called to do. So the organization's been around for um, 50 some odd years. Um, and yeah, what they're doing is basically they're just looking for every possible way and every every possible place in nook and cranny of the earth to bring the gospel and complete that great commission as we were told to do so many years ago. That's so cool. I noticed on some of your filming and stuff that you guys work with a lot of children. Mm-hmm. And children is my passion mm-hmm. because they're so cool. And children, you know, all over the world, there's these children are so innocent yes. and so precious. Mm-hmm. We went to um, Albania, and I had a little kid that hung onto my shirt over there. And you just want to take them home with you. Absolutely. They're so yeah. cute. And the ones on your filming, I just loved them. <laughs> and they're just pictures, but they were so real to me. Yeah. And yeah. to see how you guys work with them and how much they just fall in love with you guys. Oh, the feeling's mutual, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're incredible. They need that love. Yes, they and do. How, how easy is it to get them to accept the, the Christ and, and the word and all that stuff? How easy is it for you guys to get that to them? Um, for the most part, it's pretty easy because a lot of the areas that we go to in like Papua New Guinea, um, they already have the gospel. So it's really more a case of discipleship than it is spreading the gospel. Uh, but the really cool thing about it is because the the country, well, 90% of its inhabitants live below the poverty line. Mm. And so when you go into a place like that, you're going to notice that there's so much joy and hope that you, sh- you, you wouldn't think should be there. Um, but the fact of the matter is the people in that country are hanging on to Jesus for all he's worth. And so when you come in there to disciple them, they just can't get enough of it because they have nothing else to hang on to. Um, and because of that, yeah, that joy and that peace and that hope can bury deep and really become something more because uh, yeah, they, they really, they have nothing else. Um, so it's quite a privilege. And it's also very much um, an awakening to go to a place like that where, yeah, they don't have all the comforts that we have here at home. And so you go into that place and you learn like, oh, it really is just all about Jesus. Like it really is. If you have the gospel, it doesn't matter what else you have. Like you're, you're solid. You will have everything that he's promised you to have, mm-hmm. um, which was just incredible to see. So, yeah, I would say in places like our other outreach teams go like Indonesia or the Philippines. Um, it's a little bit more of a challenge to bring the mm-hmm. gospel just because 
a lot of them have to be undercover or mm -hmm. um, it's just, you know, there's language barriers right. and all that. Mm -hmm. But in Papua New Guinea, you really don't see a lot of that um, just because they're so open and they're actually getting really excited to start sending missionaries out as time goes on because they're right next to Indonesia, which is like 90% Muslim. Right. And they're, they're actually getting pretty stoked to be discipled and sent out as missionaries, just like those of us who have gone to them. They want to continue that and complete the Great Commission with us. Have you ever thought about going to a Muslim? Um, well, if the Lord calls me there, I believe that he will. I wouldn't say that it's uh, my area of expertise yet, um, just because I don't have a lot of experience with it, but it's definitely a conversation I'm praying about mm -hmm. and I would like to, uh, enter into if he calls me there. Mm -hmm. I've been wanting to ask you something, <clears throat> hmm. um, ministering to people here mm -hmm. and ministering to people there. Mm -hmm. how much of a difference do you see in that? I would say there's a very big difference in some ways with kids. It's going to be the same all across the board just because they don't have any prejudices yet. They don't really, you know, they haven't been through the culture enough to have adopted it. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest difference that I noticed while I was there versus being here is just like the amount of pride that holds people back mm -hmm. from really experiencing yeah. what the Lord has for them. Uh, whether that be like pride to, I don't want to look stupid or pride of like, well, I know more than you do or pride as in like, well, I've been taught this one thing my whole life and I'm not going to go back on it now. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't see that in Papua New Guinea. Like a lot of people, there, there is a little bit of it. There is a little bit of cultural pride, but I mean, they're, they're only like 50, 60 years out of living very tribal lifestyles. And most of them are still, out in the bush, far away from any kind of civilization, but there's still not that pride or that prejudice of like seeing somebody and saying, well, they do it differently than they do, or I don't like their hairstyle. Like they, they do not care. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, you know, if I were to go out and evangelize on the streets of Grangeville, if I'm wearing a shirt, someone doesn't mm -hmm. like, they're probably going to discount everything mm -hmm. that I said to them right. because of a pre-existing prejudice or just frankly, because they're a snob. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when I seen your filming, that's the one thing I noticed. Just looking at the filming, mm -hmm. you could see that. Yeah. And that's why I wanted you to talk about it because I wanted people out there to see it. And the only way they're going to see that is by your words. Yeah. And so that's why I wanted to ask you that question. Oh, thank you. Because I want people to see that, you know, if they drop their prejudice and listen to people when they talk, no matter what they look like or what they wear. Mm -hmm. They could get something out of it. They can learn from it. Yeah, yeah. And it goes it goes on both sides. You know, there's a huge division in our country mm -hmm. right now just based on the left versus versus the right. You know, you look at really just go on Twitter, read, like read the news, watch Fox, whatever. Right. It's everywhere. There mm -hmm. is that division. And the fact of the matter is like it's, it's really a wake-up call that both sides need to be more open-minded. Mm -hmm. um, but Christians especially as we're getting ready to share the gospel – you know, we've got to be more open-minded and meet people where they're at and then share the gospel according to their situation, just as Jesus would. Right. Because if we're not going to do that, then we're only going to see a division further. Mm -hmm. And uh, the gospel is not going to be shared. They're right. going to hate us more. And we're going to be 10 steps behind where mm -hmm. we are currently. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, the same can be said for everyone that is, you know, preaching tolerance so much, but are acting very intolerantly. Right. There's got to be that open-mindedness on both sides of the equation if we're ever going to get anywhere. Right. Because quite frankly, right now, I, I don't see any kind of 
movement forward in a lot of situations simply mm-hmm. because we're all so bent on what we've been taught or what we've mm-hmm. chosen to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think God put the word love in the Bible Absolutely. for a reason. Yeah. And it's the number one word in the Bible. It's the number one gift in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And why would he put it there? Why do you guys think he would put love mm-hmm. in the Bible? It covers over a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. Does it not? It does indeed. Yeah. I thought, talking about love, Saturday night you made a good point, and, I, and you said that you described God in three words, and one of those words was kind. Mm-hmm. And you said that you use kind and not love because? Well, I think that love has a way to, like hearing the word love has a way to be misconstrued because so many people have a misinterpretation of what love is. If you grow up with an abusive parent who argues that they love you, you're never going to really know what love is until you learn to unlearn that. If If you are trying to learn how to love somebody properly without kindness, kindness, um, you know, you, you you see so many people who are convinced they know what love is, but they're unkind. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is that being kind is the most loving thing you can do because it reaches mm-hmm. out into areas that nobody else can reach into. You know, you look at you look at all these different situations like in our culture right now and throughout the world where you're seeing so much division and so much hurt and everyone's ready to go in guns blazing. And, you know, I will take down whatever I need to take down and beat down the walls and whatever in the name of love, you know, wars are fought over love, but you don't hear about wars being fought over kindness because kindness stops the need for war. And, you know, I believe that our God is a jealous and a just God, but he's also kind. And so he goes to war when it needs to happen. But he does it in a kind way. Mm-hmm. And on top of all of that, you know, when, when the Lord is reaching out to somebody who is at their wit's end, and at the end of the rope, and they don't know where they're going, it's not a booming, yelling voice. It's that still, small, kind whisper of, hey, I'm here. It's okay. You're not too far gone. And that's what beckons people to listen. That's what beckons people back. Even with a knock-knock joke. Yes. with a knock-knock joke. I loved your talk, Sunday. Saturday. You touched on Saturday. You touched my heart. Oh, I'm so glad. It was awesome. <laughs> you hit me right where it counted. Mm-hmm. Good. That yeah, was the point. Was the point. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. In YWAM, you went into disciple training school. Yes, discipleship training school. Mm-hmm. And so you said you had um, a lecture type mm-hmm. and then a outreach type. Can yes. I just tell people about that part of YWAM? So the thing about a DTS, a discipleship training school, is it's a six month period where you basically you follow the Lord's leading to where he wants you to go, but you remove yourself from your daily life, relatives, friends, anything that's going to influence you. Um, you remove yourself for six months and you go somewhere. Basically it can be anywhere from a hundred miles away at the nearest YWAM base to well, thousands of miles away at the farthest YWAM base, which is what I did um, on purpose. <laughs> but uh, you why can, was it on purpose? Well, you see, I, I knew that, Unless there was literally an ocean between me and everything I'd ever known, I wasn't actually going to learn anything. And so I decided, I said, God, you know what? I got a little bit of rebellious streak in me. And I was just like, you know what, Lord, I want, if I'm going to do, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to go bigger. I'm going to go home. Because like, I'm not somebody who's just going to pick to go to the nearest YWAM base. Because like, that's just not who I am. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to find the farthest one away. And I'm going to do it. And so I did. So where's the nearest one? The nearest one is in uh, Cascade, actually. Really? Yes. Yes, it is. 
Huh. Yeah, it's right there. Wow. Okay, yeah, you did. Yes, I did. New Zealand, though. Man, so great. Because Cascade's like, what, three hours away? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> nope. No, that's too tempting to come home. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And there were moments. Mm-hmm. There were moments. Because when you go... When you go for your DTS, like you said, there's lecture and there's outreach phase. The thing about lecture phase is it's 12 weeks with a bunch of people you've never met before. They have no idea who you are, which is awesome because you basically get a fresh start, which is why I wanted to go so far because I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want to have any chance of running into anybody mm-hmm. I know. And so you go in for your lecture phase and you meet, there were like 32 students on my school and there were over 12 staff so there was give or take 45 people involved directly in my school and then there's base staff on top of all that so we're talking 60 people um 60 new people and so during lecture phase it's a 12-week period where different speakers come in every week and talk about a different topic about the lord um and the word and what the bible actually says about it um, and these speakers come from all different backgrounds. So like, it's very encouraged that you go back to the word and you check it with the Holy Spirit and by yourself, because it's not a brainwashing kind of thing. It's not a cult. I didn't join a cult. I just want to say that Good. right now. I did mm-hmm. not join a cult. My mom's not a cult. Um, it's very recommended that it's a very individual process and that you are checking everything with the word and Holy Spirit throughout your entire time. So 12 weeks of doing that. And their topics like hearing God's voice, Father, heart of God, Lordship, Christ, uh, identity, you know, some of them are very practical because the thing is, is that throughout our time on earth, so much of the way that we look at God comes from our experiences and comes from the way that our family interacts with us, our friends, if we were bullied, Mm -hmm. we're not going to think that God is kind. We're going to think he's a bully because Mm -hmm. if other people are made in his image, and they're bullies, like mm-hmm. it would only make sense. It's a logical connection that mm-hmm. happens, whether it be subconscious or not, like that's what we're going to believe. And so it's 12 weeks of learning like the actual character of God, um, what the Bible actually has to say about it in him and the way that that is supposed to be shown in the culture that we're in today effectively. Um, there's also opportunities for evangelism. There's opportunities for small groups, worship times, the Queenstown Based is a real, real good job of putting an emphasis on worship. So we have base worship, which is everybody who's on base every Monday morning um, for an hour. And it's incredible. Like the Holy Spirit moves like crazy in that. Um, and then on Thursday nights, we have another base worship, but the entire community is invited. So that's about two to three hours long. And there's usually a message in the middle of it. Um, but yeah, it's incredible. And then there's also time for uh work duties. And so what that is, is while you are on your DTS, you're given specific jobs to do. Um, Number one, so I mean, I think just because things need to get done around base and they have that workforce. But number two, because it's a way to build character and it's a way to learn how to serve properly Mm -hmm. and without complaint. So I was on base cleanup, which means that I washed a lot of toilets. Mm. (laughs) And it was some of the best time on my entire DTS because I got to just practice thankfulness and talk to the Lord while I was doing a menial task. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I learned so much from that. And I think everybody else on my DTS could say the same. Uh, and then there's just time to spend with your community. Um, we're, we're all living together. So there's two houses. They're affectionately called the cottages. Mm-hmm. And so there's girls living uh, lower floor and an upper floor, lower floor for students, upper floor for staff. 
And then there's the guys living quarters, same deal. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can hang out, you know, whenever we want, but there's a real chance to just like learn how to cook and clean and like live in community effectively with no drama, which was incredible. There was no drama. Mm. And I'm I'm convinced that the underlying factor was because we were all so hungry for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because not all schools are like that. Right. It's like you put Jesus into equation. Mm -hmm. I just want to say drama will disappear. Mm Mm-hmm. It self-disappears. Yes, self-disappears. It's incredible what happens. Um, Yeah, so there's lecture phase. And in outreach phase, you're assigned to a specific team of people in a specific location. And my outreach team was the biggest outreach team. And it was nine of the biggest characters in the entire school. We were loud and proud. Uh, We called ourselves Zeal Team 9, which is a play on Zeal Team 6. Mm -hmm. Um, And... We went to Papua New Guinea and Byron Bay, Australia. And the thing about outreach phase is you are put into the most uncomfortable, difficult situations and then told to do ministry in the middle of it. Mm. Um, and you have to learn how to constantly live with your team because you don't get alone time. You're not allowed to have alone time. It's too dangerous. <laughs> and so um, there's a Why lot. is it dangerous? Well, you know, you go to these places like Papua New Guinea where there's going to be giant spiders and snakes everywhere, not to mention, like, threats from people. You go to Port Moresby. It's one of the most dangerous cities on the planet. Tell them how big a spider is. Uh, Well, I saw one about the size of my hand, and I know there's bigger ones out there. So, and that was in someone's kitchen. So, like, I don't even want to know about the jungle. Like, I went into the jungle, and I didn't Mm. see any in Jesus' name. But, like, I tell you what, I know they're out there. Mm -hmm. So, no thank you. (laughs) You stay close to your team, huh? Oh, you stay plenty close to your team, and you make as much noise as possible. <laughs> go away, spider, go away. And I don't like spiders. <laughs> you wouldn't like this one, my goodness. That'd be... So when, you're at, or when you were at um, Port Moores, you said it's the most dangerous place? It's one of the most dangerous cities on the planet. It is the most dangerous place in Papua New Guinea. Um, there's a lot... Papua New Guinea in general, but especially in Port Moresby, there's a lot of domestic abuse and domestic okay. violence, um, tons of theft, tons of robbery. Um, and it's a confusing place because on one side of the city, you have got basically slums. You know, there's mm-hmm. garbage everywhere. It smells dreadful. There's these dogs that are missing their ears because they fight constantly running around. And then on the opposite side, you have a five-star hotel mm. um, with incredible restaurants and dining in like coffee shops, like totally westernized, mm-hmm. haven't even seen anything that nice in the States. Wow. I've never stayed in a hotel that nice in the States where you've got a bunch of rich white people there um, who are seeing Port Moresby not for what it is. Uh, while on the opposite side of town, there are people literally starving. starving. And yeah. so seeing that dynamic, you know, of course there's going to be crime because there's mm-hmm. such a division there, not to mention the fact that their government has been totally a mess for the last several years. And they just now got a new prime minister and thank the Lord because he's going to change some stuff or at least that's the hope. But yeah, there's such, there's such a big chance for division, mm-hmm. especially in Port Moresby, but you travel north to places like Weewak, which is where we ministered first. Um, it's also super dangerous. You know, they, they have super high violence rates there. Mm. Um, you will get robbed. You will stick out like a sore thumb. If you're very obviously Western, we had people follow us around. One time we went into a grocery store and about 100 people followed us into it. Oh my Whoa. goodness. Like it was, it was terrifying it was very scary you've got to be around your stuff all the time um and it's not because the people are bad people it's just because they don't have anything and they're desperate and like 
So did you ever so, put, did you feel like you were ever put in a situation where where you were in danger? No, I wouldn't say that. Our leaders did a very good job of making sure that everything was safe. We also had contacts everywhere that we went. Okay. We're going to keep us safe and keep an eye on things. If anyone got too close, mm-hmm. um, if there was ever any kind of security people around us, they were very protective, like okay. really, really protective. And, you know, the thing about YWAM is like, yeah, we go to these dangerous places, but we do it in a safe way. Like we're not going in there Teamwork. uneducated. Yeah, my leaders had already been to all the places we went. Um, they knew the risks, they knew everything, and they, de- they you know, they brief us on everything. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is we're all adults. Right. So you're going into a place by choice because it's what the Lord has called you to do. And honestly, you know, there's there's a song that we sing, and it's called the Missionary Anthem. It's by YWAM Kona, and part of the bridge is, I will preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten as long as you get the glory. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is that when you're going into missions like this, you have to sign a release form if you die. Mm-hmm. To have your body shipped back, and YWAM's not going to cover it, and so like you know the risks going into mm-hmm. it, and it's very seldom that we see any of those risks flush out, but they are there. And mm-hmm. so I personally wasn't put in any, da- in any danger. Um, I know that in the past some crazy things have happened, but God's still gotten the glory out yeah, of it. Right. So mm-hmm. and God's in control. Yes, He is, he is. absolutely. So you said Saturday night you were you had, you spent six months of unbecoming yourself. So yes. The relationship with Jesus, how did it change when you left for New Zealand and mm-hmm. now that you've returned well, and I headed think, back? I think leaving for New Zealand, I was just so desperate to get out of everything that I've ever heard about the Lord, to get out of everything that I'd ever been told about him and just find out for myself. Because growing up in a Christian household um, with friends who are predominantly Christian, it's going to form your idea of who God is. Mm -hmm. It just will. That's inevitable. And same if you're not growing up in a Christian Mm -hmm. household with predominantly non-Christian friends. You know, it's two sides of the same coin. And so I think going in, I was just, I was so desperate to to know what is the truth. And I wasn't going to take fluff for an answer Mm -hmm. i was like you know what i'm gonna go in i'm gonna learn what they tell me and then i'm gonna check it because i'm not gonna just get brainwashed here Mm -hmm. i'm not just gonna come back and be like a spokesperson for ywam i'm not gonna do it i refuse to be that person so going into it yeah i was just super hungry for you know who is god and what does he want for my life and what is this gonna look like you know five ten years from now but more importantly, what's this going to look like for the next year? What is right. what am I doing? I had no idea. What or I was even doing for that now. day? Yeah, exactly. Moment by moment, kind of idea, and uh, yeah. So going into it, I just I went into it with that attitude of like, here I am, God. <laughs> like, <laughs> please meet me where I'm at because I have no mm-hmm. idea what I'm doing. But I know that I know that you're good because it says so in your word, and I can't trust anything but that at this point. Mm-hmm. So I went in with that that mentality and. Uh, as the weeks progressed, learning about the actual heart of the Lord and it, what happens is you gain a really intense perspective, not only on who God is, but also the people in your life. For instance, me and my dad have always really struggled to have a really good relationship because of some stuff that happened when I was younger. And the fact of the matter is like going into Father Heart Week, especially mm. um, where you just learn about the Father Heart of God, you know, I got to see my dad through God's eyes. Mm. And like where so often I or other people I know have like villainized him or said like, oh, he's just this terrible person who needs to work on a lot of stuff. I was like, no, my dad is broken hearted yes. and he has been for the last like 40 years. Yeah. Like, and it's not his fault. 
Mm-hmm. It's not his fault that no one's ever accurately communicated the love of God to him. Mm-hmm. And wow. so something really cool happened in that where I got to make that decision because it is a conscious choice it is. and it's an effort mm-hmm. and it's not something that you just get to say, okay, God, I give this to you. Like, no, that is, that is years of damage that you have to work through mm-hmm. and you've got to forgive people and you've got to forgive mm-hmm. yourself and you've got to forgive God mm-hmm. because it's not his fault, but you still put that on him. And so for your own sake, but also for God's sake, you have to work through that with him. And so what ended up happening is like going through this process of, yeah, I'm becoming myself and learning that perspective of like, oh, this is who my dad is. Oh, this is who my mom is. Oh, that makes so much sense. Like just getting that perspective and that perception of like my little brother, but also like some of the men in my life and myself of like, oh, that's why this is a problem for me. And that's why they're probably struggling with that. Mm-hmm. It really got to change the way that I looked at not only them, but also myself. And getting to say like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I really got very empowered to be bold and say like, enough is enough. Right. Like, I'm not going to do this. I know that I'm worth more than this mm-hmm. because God's made me to work, be worth more than this. Mm-hmm. And so what it came down to was like, deciding and making that choice of I am I am leaving this behind because it when Jesus died on the cross he took it to hell with him and it didn't come back right it didn't come back Mm -hmm. he came back and he left all of that there so why am I still living it why am I living in this tension like when it's already done it's already taken care of so it was really yeah just making that conscious effort and that decision and it, it had to it had to be a moment by moment thing because we're talking like decades of right, damage right, here, right. which I think everybody can relate to. Yep. But they're honest with themselves. Yes, absolutely. And that's the thing. You have to be honest with yourself, which so many of us don't want to do because of pride, right. but that's a whole other discussion. Um, yeah, it came down to deciding I am going to walk in opposition to the flesh. I'm going to walk in the spirit. And we're going to see what happens. And God's going to help me because I know I can't do it by myself. Right. I've been trying to do it by myself for years now. And that's why I'm here. <laughs> like, that's why I'm such a mess. And so what it came down to was just deciding, you know what, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. And I started emailing my dad like every week and just being like, hey, you're awesome. And I'm proud to be your kid. And like, I forgive you. And I forgive myself. And like, I just need you to know, like, we're good. And I understand like what you went through. Not mm-hmm. fully because I'm not you, but I understand God's heart for you in that. And I just want to tell you, like, I can't wait to be home and hang out with you because I want to actually get to know you. And what happened was like this beautiful reconciliation and healing, not only in my relationship with my dad, but also within me and my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Because all that projection I'd been taking from my relationship with my earthly father mm-hmm. and putting on my heavenly father Absolutely. melted away. Yep. And so in that, God was finally able to speak identity into me. Mm-hmm. And that's when everything changed because it became so much more about, oh, God, I think I don't think this about you anymore. Like it, it stopped being that mm-hmm. of like this rebellious, well, I think I know everything to becoming more of this, oh, I don't know anything. And getting you say, God, would you tell me? And him saying, heck yeah, I will. I've been waiting your whole life for this. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, and all you had to do is knock. Exactly. All I had to do is knock. All I had to do is say, okay, God, you know what? I give up. I give up. It was hard. It was hard. I remember a little girl that walked into our office before you got into all this. <laughs> and I remember a little girl that used to say, you know what? I'm just going to go out and do it on my own because I can't do this anymore. And now she's such a different girl. 
awesome girl. God's made a a great change in your life. You know, I feel like I left a girl and I came back a woman, as cliche as it sounds. Yes. Um, A godly woman. Yeah, thank you. Um, Just knowing, like, the change that happened in myself. I see it. It's so empowering because I don't need any, like, thank you, but I don't need anybody to tell me that they see it. No, you don't. Because, like, I'm like, yeah, I see it. (laughs) Ha ha. Thanks, God. Like, we're good. And so now I'm able to take on. The difference between me seeing it, you feel it. Yes. Mm -hmm. You can wear it. Absolutely. All I can do is see it. Mm -hmm. It's true. And you know what? When someone sees it, they can they can learn it and get it from you because they can learn what you live. And that's how discipleship works. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the biggest change overall of your understanding of daughtership in the Lord yeah. is what? Oh, gosh. Um, I think, honestly, that yeah, God's not critical of me, which is so crazy because this the school, the staff does this incredible thing where they take every single student that's coming in for that court and they pray over us for like, a whole month before we even get there. They have no idea what we look like, no idea what our background is, like just are completely clueless as to who we are. They trust God's leading in how to pray for us. And um, they ask the Lord for prophetic words over our lives. And one of the really crazy things is like before they even knew me, I got like four different words about joy and how joy is going to be my compass. My middle name is Joy. joy. Mm-hmm. They had no idea. Mm-hmm. Like, and I've always resented that. And then God was like, we're going to redeem this because I'm God and I can. And like, just stuff like that. But one of the ones that really stuck out to me is like, God's not critical of you. The only thing he expects of you is daughtership. Right. And like, just reading it. And I have it in my Bible. It's like this little card and it's all cute. And they make it out of this fancy card stock. My name's on it. It's everyone's different handwriting. But like, one of the ones that stuck out to me the most is definitely like, God's not critical of you and all he expects for you is daughtership. And so like looking at that and getting to read that, it's like, well, if God's not critical of me, then I shouldn't be critical of me. And like that ended the bitter cycle of like, Oh God, I'm just not good enough. And I can't do this. And like, I'm just, I'm never going to be able to please you because I can't even please myself. And like, what is even happening here? And he was just like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, it's not what I've asked of you at all. It's not what I created you for. Stop it. Stop. I'm not, I'm not saying that kind of thing about you. So why do you think you, you have the right to do that? I made you like, you mm-hmm. don't get to say that I made garbage mm-hmm. when I'm I said, telling you that one time in our office, well, you know, I'm, I might be stealing some things here. <laughs> he didn't make garbage. No, he didn't. You know, what's neat is that um, yesterday in my quiet time, and, and I forgot where I was at Hebrews, Hebrews one, it talks about the anointing oil of joy. Mm-hmm. Hebrews and Psalms. It's all over me. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to have to take your mom and stick her in the place where your dad is mm-hmm. and yep. pour some of that down on top of her. That's the Lord's been working with me on. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness but, is forgiveness. Yes. And it spreads out through the whole family, your sister yes. and all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's crazy. You know, I left and I was like, God, I don't know how you can fix my family without me being there. I kind of like catalyze all of it. Like, are you kidding me, Marissa? Get over yourself. <laughs> and uh, I leave. And literally like my, my whole family just like becomes the family I always wanted mm-hmm. without me even really he talking it to them. He was like, I just needed to get you and your pride issues out of the situation. <laughs> and then I could work in that. And I'm just like, okay, Lord, thanks for that. Thank you. I, I think he knitted y'all together in, his, in your mother's womb. You know, he might have. 
I read that somewhere. A God can do that? Yeah. One of the things you said that you learned how to talk with God, you learned how to laugh with God, (laughs) you learned to ask him questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the thing about my relationship with the Lord is because I had such a bad relationship with my my earthly father is like, there was was a moment in time where I honestly kind of just want to start calling my dad by his first name. Like that's that's how bad it was. I was like, John, like eh, get over here. And he was, that did not fly well. I bet it didn't. No, no, knowing my dad, no, it definitely got a pilot's well. license. He's learned to fly it's it. True. It's true. <laughs> very, very, very punny of you. Yes. Yeah. Um, but going into why? Well, I mean, I kind of saw God the same way. Like I, I didn't address him as as the different figures of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. I addressed him as God. Because, like, that's such an easy blanket statement that mm-hmm. keeps it so unpersonal, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, well, you're God. And it keeps like, you that hands like Exactly. You, like, know, you, don't, you don't have to have those tough conversations with God. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you, go, you go and you confess to God. Like, yeah. there's no relationship. Too holy. Exactly. Like, you're scared of them. And the fact of the matter is, like, going into it, I was like, you know what, Lord? I just, I don't want to do this anymore. This is, this is not all that it cracked up to be. If what I've read about in these devotionals that people keep giving me is true, like I'm missing something. And so what happened is like, especially during like character and nature week, because we've got this incredible speaker, Chris Twin, he comes in he's, he's from a Jewish background. So like he can actually read Hebrew and like knows what the Bible actually says, um, which I've double checked everything to as to the best of my ability. Cause I, d- I don't read Hebrew. I'm 20 and very, very American. Uh, you haven't had that chance. I've not had that chance yet. We're getting there. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, just kind of like unlearning so much of what I've been told my whole life of like, oh, this is who God is. This meeting like, is being recorded. Actually learning like the truth of, oh, this is what the Bible says. And like, oh, that's who Jesus actually was. Oh, that's that's what it meant when, you know, Jesus was crying out to his father. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's not Jesus was crying out to God. No, he was like, Dad, this sucks. Exactly. Abba and Father. Exactly. Daddy. And it's crazy because, like, you read that, but you never really read it, you know, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we, we don't want to because then we right. can just continue to be like, mm-hmm. your God, stay away from me, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to make this work for me instead of me working for you, you know? Right. And uh, so coming into that and just learning, like, oh, I want more. And you got to be at that place where you're like, oh, I want, I want more. This isn't good enough for me. Like, it's really, honestly, it's really a question of self-worth. If you're not growing in your relationship with God like you want to be, it's because you don't think you're worth it. Right. Um, You're absolutely right. And so coming to that point where like we went through identity week, we went through father heart week, we went through character and nature of God week where it's like, oh, this is who you are. And this is who I am. And this isn't good enough for me. Like, we need to be doing more here. I want to do some stuff with you, God. He was like, okay, well, first of all, you got to start addressing me properly when you're talking to me. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, there's three different people here. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk to Jesus about certain things. You talk to the Father about certain things. You talk to the Holy Spirit about certain mm-hmm. things. Because they they represent different parts of the family. Otherwise, our our, our family wouldn't come from anywhere. Exactly. You know, we're made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, coming into that and saying, like, okay, God, well, who do I talk to about what? And father's like, well, I want to talk to you about boy stuff because that's, that's huge. The, mm-hmm, that's the daddy that is, role. That is the daddy mm-hmm. thing. We're going to talk to you about identity. We're going to mm-hmm. talk to you about like, you know, just like all this, all this different stuff of like, oh, where are you going? What are mm-hmm. you doing with your life? Dad's like, that's me. 
I mm-hmm. dips. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, Jesus, what do you want to talk about? He's like, I just kind of want to laugh with you. I mean, like, I want to be there when you're talking to somebody about some theological stuff. Cause like mm-hmm. I am the word. Mm-hmm. So you know what I'm That's saying right. here? And so I was like, okay, Jesus. I'm like, Holy spirit. How about you? And Holy spirit's like, man, I just want to comfort you. Like, I want to teach you stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just, let's heal some things. Mm -hmm. Let's work through it so that you can love Jesus better. I'm just like, oh, okay. So I was like, dad, I really want to have a fun relationship with you. I want you to be a fun dad. I said, great, because I am a fun dad. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, well, I want to laugh. I want to laugh and I want to hear you laugh because Chris was talking about how he heard God giggle. And I was like, Lord, I'm missing out on something here. Dang it, I want to know. And so... I was sitting out in Queenstown. The way it works is our base, our old base, we're getting a new base now because it's cool. But um, our base is like right in front of Lake Wakatipu, which is like surrounded by these cascading mountains. Mm. And like, mm-hmm. it's just absolutely, it's just stunning. Like I can't even put it into words. Take a picture and, and send it to us. Okay. So there's this bench right in front of it. So you just like look out. Oh, wow. And I would always go there to talk to the Lord about mm-hmm. stuff that I didn't want to really deal with emotionally. Because I got to deal with this. And so sitting there, I'm like, Lord, I just really want to hear you laugh. I just want to laugh with you. He's like, look at those flowers. I'm like, they're very pretty flowers. Good job, Lord. You made pretty flowers. Like, Jesus, this is all you. Good job. Mm-hmm. Ooh, flowers. And he's like, smell it. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, flowers smell nice. So mm-hmm. I pick up these white flowers and they're super pretty. Beautiful flowers kind of look like Queen Anne's lace, but they're not Queen Anne's lace. And so I pick up this flower and I sniff it and I realize immediately that the flower smells like feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we've done that just a while ago, about a week ago. Just like, and not, not clean it's feet. Like poop. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord have mercy. It was daisies. <laughs> Wild daisies. And so I sniff this flower, right? And I'm like, oh, no. I ruined this beauty by sniffing it. Exactly. Like, and, and dad's just like, no, you didn't. I told you to sniff it. Like, get over yourself. This is not all about you. I'm like, well, why would you have me sniff it? He's like, because it's kind of funny, isn't it? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, it smells like a foot. It smells like feet. Like, how is this? You made something so beautiful and it smells like feet. And he's like, yeah, why not? And I'm just like, what? Yeah. And so I'm sniffing this flower and I'm like, I just, I really want to like be in awe of your, you know, there's so many flowers out there and there's a billion <laughs> other ones right over there that just looks so different than this one. You're so complex as a creator and I just love you so much and it smells like a foot. And I'm mm-hmm. like, <laughs> and I'm just like busted out laughing for like a solid 10 minutes. I'm like, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be laughing about your creation. I'm like, it's so irreverent of me. And he starts laughing too. Like mm-hmm. I heard God laugh. I heard mm-hmm. dad laugh. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what, you're laughing about this? And he was like, yeah, because if I laugh about it, that means that you get to laugh about it. And I want to laugh with you too. And I'm just like, <laughs> and like, I'm still laughing, but like there's, I'm kind of crying. Mm-hmm. A friend came up right. and talked to me. And then I just kept laughing about this flower. And I, yeah, he asked me why I was laughing. I was like, foot flower and it was a beautiful beautiful (laughs) moment where I was like God is hilarious um and then you know that continued of like we would have these worship nights like I mentioned earlier and the Lord would tell me jokes Mm. in the middle of these serious moments like and you know somebody had told me like that one of their friends God used to tell them jokes in worship and I'm like well, if you're doing that for them, then, you know, I don't see why I'm missing out, Lord, because this is how I talk to God, you know? Right. And uh, I'm like, I want to know. Like, I want to know what your sense of humor is like, Lord. You know, do we have something in common here? I'm made in your image. You should be able to make me laugh. You know, kind of daring him a little mm-hmm. bit, which I don't recommend. Right. But that's my dynamic with him. And uh, he was like, okay. So he starts telling me jokes during worship. And, like, I would be at the foot of the cross, like, crying about something one moment and be super serious, like, kind of quiet throughout the entire 
room worship moment like everyone's like praying and like doing business with the Lord and I would start cackling you guys it was so bad so give us an example of a joke well oh gosh see I don't really want to <laughs> okay well then don't I won't. that's fine it's between you and God between me and Lord that's right besides then don't. the fact that I, I don't want him you know be upset about Mm-hmm. He and I have. That's <laughs> upset. We me. we have little secrets about things. It was just very okay. <laughs> um, I can understand so, that. Yes, it's very important. We gotta have that intimacy. With I'll the tell Lord. you when God told me. Okay. He told me one time I was sitting and praying. And he told me, you know, there was a barber named Ware. And I no. go, what? He goes, there was a barber named Ware. And I go, really? And I go, well, what's this about? I'm talking to you about my problems, and you're telling me there's a barber named Ware? And he goes, yeah, and he was sadly allergic to hair. I go, oh, so you're a poet. And God says, yeah, I'm a poet. I made you a poet. You're like me. And he says, so listen to my story. There's a barber named Ware who's sadly allergic to hair. And I go, okay. And he goes, and you know when their custom- his customer called, he was, they had to be bald, or he'd sneeze them right out of the chair. Oh, my God. I said, Oh, Father, only you. I said, am I not to tell anybody this one? He goes, only if you can tell it correctly. <laughs> well, that's the thing about the mm-hmm. Lord. You know, he he's a dad, so he makes dad jokes. He does. Mm-hmm. You know, when I tell people that God talks to me, you know what they tell me? One, one pastor, and he's not a pastor anymore, but he told me I was crazy. Mm-hmm. God does not talk to people yeah. today. Yeah. That's totally off the wall. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's God got talks some, that's to sad. people. He's got some other problems. Yeah, he does. Through with the Lord. Yeah. But that's that's totally off the wall because God talks to people very, yeah. very plainly. Very much. Too. You know what God said? My sheep, they yeah. know my voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you said God is dad to you and he talks to you and he makes jokes to you, I start crying <laughs> because that's what he does to me. <laughs> and it's awesome. It's totally awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's something that is very special. Absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't. And it's personal. Mm -hmm. And it's a love relationship between Mm -hmm. you and God. Yes. And you know what? It's so awesome. Don't trade it. Don't give Mm -hmm. it away. Don't leave it. Mm -hmm. And don't ever be afraid to do jokes with God. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. The thing about it is I feel like so many people think that they know the Lord and then ultimately decide to walk away from their family. And they put him in a box. They put him in a box. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, you know, you, you, you're telling me, you know, don't don't leave that behind. Don't do anything. And I'm sitting here and I'm just like, why would I want to? Exactly. <laughs> he's the most interesting, funny person that I know. And he's it's just like, he's so good. He's the best and dad you could ever have. The thing about it is like, to the people who... To the people who have been hurt by the church and blame it on God, mm-hmm. and I would argue that, number one, they never really knew him. And number two, their faith was in people and not in the Lord. And number three, they weren't hurt by the church. Exactly. Because the church is God. People hurt them. Yeah. And people will always hurt them. Yeah. If they live in the world. Exactly. They're going to be hurt by people. Exactly. So expect it. Yeah. But it's so sad because those are the people who, you know, they, they go through one hard thing. And I understand that life is difficult. I'm more than anybody understands that life. But is God difficult. said if they're without sins, they can cast the first stone. Exactly. How many have they hurt? True. True enough. My so goodness. I tell them to think about that before they can walk away. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. to see. You know, it's there's, sad. There's those people who, 
they have this idea of who God is. But the fact of the matter is that they've never taken the time to get to know him. No, right. they haven't. Personally. Personally, yeah. Have, and that's the thing. The head it has knowledge. to be personal. Mm-hmm. They've got the head knowledge. They think they know everything there is mm-hmm. to know about God. But the fact of the matter is, like, they, they don't we, know him. Right. We need a training that comes and teaches people in the church like they trained you. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're... I don't know what you call it. YWAM. YWAM. Lecture for phase and your outreach phase. Well, it's called discipleship, and I think we're sorely lacking in it. We are. We don't have nothing like what you talked about, and they need that. They do. They need that to come to the churches. Yeah, if if we were discipling people like Jesus always meant us to, then I think the Great Commission would be completed and Jesus would come back already. Yeah, and I think Mm -hmm. we would have big outreaches here in the churches. Oh, 100%. Yeah, our our Mm -hmm. world would look completely different. Yeah, what a though. If we were if we were communicating Jesus the way that we know Him, mm-hmm. um, and discipling people in that, then there would there would be nothing to stop us. Oh, it would be from awesome. Going out and right. seeing that revolution happen mm-hmm. because there's there is such a passion and a zeal and excitement, but also like this this genuineness that comes with knowing the Lord for who He truly is, where you just can't help yourself but share it. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, like people will try to argue you with it. Mm-hmm. They'll try to argue you against it, and you'll just look at them and be like, you know what? You're just going to have to experience it right. because I can try and give you the facts and the theology all day long. The fact of the matter is you have a heart issue and you don't want to hear any of that mm-hmm. anyway. You just want to argue your way out of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just going to pray for you and you can just watch the Lord do the best of my ability to showcase it right. and we'll see what happens. One of the things that you shared with um, on Saturday night was the, the blind the blind person. Mm. Would you share that with us, please? Yeah, absolutely. So there was, um, it was our first day in this town. Uh, we were on our way actually to our first village outreach. We'd just been in Weewak and we had driven about four hours on these terrible roads and I was exhausted. We come into this town and we got some stuff. We set our stuff down. That's when about a hundred people followed us into the grocery store. We came back out and they were all just there. Mm. And my team looked at each other and we were like, you know, we might as well do some open air ministry because we're mm-hmm. waiting for somebody mm-hmm. and we don't know how long it's going to take. And here we are. So we did. So we did a couple skits and one of our, one of our guys preached and it was so good. Um, and then we, uh, we opened it up for ministry time and it just started to downpour which something I've noticed is the Lord really speaks to me during storms and stuff because, you know, he just does. I was always scared of thunderstorms as a little kid. I think, I think Satan did that on purpose. Um, but then he started speaking to me through thunderstorms during my DTS. And uh, there's a, a giant rainstorm and people were coming up. They didn't care. They just needed to be prayed for. Um, and these two older gentlemen come up to me and they're, they're together and they come up to me and they, they kind of, they can see shape. Right. Mm-hmm. But they can't see people. And so um, one of them looks at me, he's like, sister, we need prayer. And I'm like, what's going on? And one of them's like, well, we're blind. And I was like, okay, my God handles that. Let's do it. You know, like, sure. Why not? And so I pray for the one guy once. I'm like, is there any change? He's like, no, not really. I'm like, okay, we're just going to pray again. And so I prayed again. Um, and I'll never forget. Um, his friend was right there and this guy I watched for perhaps the first time in his life. I watched his eyes register in other human beings eyes and they were mine. And so this guy's like looking at me and I didn't even really have to ask him if like something had mm-hmm. happened. Cause I just knew, but I asked him and he was like, is it better? And he looks at me. He's like, yes. 
yes, it is. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And the guy next to me was like, me next. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I only need to pray for him once. And it was just like, boom, healed. And like these guys look at each other and they look at me and we're all like, oh my gosh. And the crazy thing is so much more stuff happened that day that I totally forgot to tell my team later. Oh, no. And I wrote it down in my journal and I included it in the newsletter because we sent out a, a newsletter on outreach every two weeks. And I read the newsletter to my team and I got to that part. I was like, guys, have two blind guys healed. And they were like, you what? I'm like, I forgot to mention that, didn't I? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, there was other stuff happening. You know, people's skin diseases were being healed. And like the rain stopped when I told it to stop. And then there was this demonically possessed dude who was set free. And I'm just like, there was <laughs> so much awesome. happening. How could I, how could I remember that? Especially since it's something that's supposed to be and so normal. Yeah. It's supposed to be so normal. Why would I chalk it? Like, yeah, we're going to praise Jesus for that miracle. Mm-hmm in the moment but like it's something that's supposed to be so normal it shouldn't be any more like weirder than being like oh be right back i gotta answer this phone call exactly like you just i'm not saying disregard it you know be thankful but like it should be something that we see so often that it's like oh yeah those guys just got healed cool move on to the next thing exactly glory to glory and that's why we need revival in the united states amen that can happen here and it's not happening here um, you're, you're headed back, what you say, September 3rd? September 3rd. Okay. And you'll be a returning as a volunteer staff. Yes. All right. What does that mean? So for the, be first, yeah, for the first um, three months I'm there, I will be base staff, which means I will be helping with anything from like kitchen, maintenance, and like anything, office staff, okay. whatever, um, for those three months. And then prayerfully, I want to be um, on a, on the January TTS staff because I want to see the Lord work through people's lives like you work through mine. Okay. And so, because we have 30 seconds. All right. Yes. So what is your website so that people can follow you? Okay. So my website, I send out a newsletter um, and you can find me on Facebook and shoot me a message for that. I'm under Marissa Joy. I'm in standing in yellow flowers. That's my profile mm-hmm. picture. Um, but my website is uh, joyunspeakable810.wixsite.com. Dot com okay. slash my site. Okay, we'll um, put that on our. Well, we'll put that on good. our Facebook. Yes. Okay. And uh, yeah, you can go over to the pioneering tab, read the newsletter, okay. check out anything, subscribe, okay. whatever. Um, and then there's also a link to donate because okay. as volunteer staff, right, I pay to be there. All okay. right. Thank you so much, and Marissa, you you have to come back later Absolutely. after you get back. All right. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for Thank listening. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thank you for being here this week. Be sure to join hosts Annette Smith and Myrna Thatcher for another edition of Abadaddy Girls Speak Out next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy the upcoming weekend.